Our reading from today comes from Hebrews 3, 7 through 19. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. The word of the Lord. Once again, good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, before we get into text, I want to uh, give you another chance um, to celebrate our very own Charles McKnight. Um, for those of you who didn't know, who was ordained to ministry and officially installed as the assistant pastor here at Christ Central Church on last Sunday. All right, let's go ahead and... Um, he is now Reverend McKnight. Reverend. Um, okay. Anyway, um, we praise God for what he has, has done and doing in his life and called the ministry. I also want to thank Paul Major, who preached last week while I was gone. I was doing a men's retreat for one of our other churches, um, sister churches. And um, my son Clark let me know, as soon as I got home, just how good Paul preached. If a 12-year-old likes your sermon, you must be good. If the 12-year-old is a son of the senior pastor, you must be really good. Um, thanks for your service um, to the church, Paul. Appreciate um, you stepping in um, at that time. Um, we continue in our sermon series through the book of Hebrews. And um, last week, the writer of Hebrews encouraged what appears to be a largely Christian Jewish audience steeped and proud of their tradition to recognize that they, their, he wanted them to recognize that their Christianity superseded their Hebrewanity, if you will. And he does so by invoking a Hebrew national hero, Moses, and sizing him up to Jesus. It turns out to be a no contest affair. They are not even in the same class. Moses was the servant and water boy, and Jesus was the Lord and divine star. This week, the Bible here in chapter 3 continues to go, to go retro on us, pulling on what happened back when Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land, also called God's 
Rest. Rest. Rest from enemies. Rest from traveling to find their home and find their final place in the world. Rest because they would be at home confident and comfortable and living life for and with their God and with each other. Here's the question. The writer of Hebrews is seeking to answer for us in these next couple of sermons by going back to old stories about the Jews. Can people like you and me truly find rest in this world? And if so, how and where? Where can we be sure? And how can we be sure and safe and restful with Jesus? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to begin entering to the rest, rest for our weary souls, rest in you, rest away from us trying to fix our own lives, rest, Lord. Show us, we pray, beginning in this scripture this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. When you were a little kid and it was bedtime, Time to finally rest. Remember for many of us and our parents, the biggest obstacle for finally entering into that bedtime rest, calming down and going to sleep? The dark. And all the things that might be there. The boogeyman, right? And the monster in the closet or that thing under the bed. Like that scary Super scary movie I fooled myself into watching on Netflix. The Baba Duke. Boy, don't watch that thing. Because it brings back all the childhood dark fears. Man, when I went on a trip out of town, when I was in a hotel, thanks to the Baba Duke, had to keep the lights on. <laughs> Not all night, just long enough where I didn't know where I was anymore and I went to sleep. Thanks to the Baba Duke. Because I was afraid of the dark. I remember I was in a, when I went to General Assembly, <laughs> I got in a taxi, and the guy was like, which hotel are you staying in? And I was staying at some historic hotel in, in um, Chattanooga. And he says, oh, yeah, the haunted one. And I was like, great. <laughs> so you know me. I went online to check what happened. It's room so-and-so, don't go in that room or else, right? Had to sleep with the lights on. Because the ghost might be in the dark. And do you remember what your parent or guardian or older sibling would say, and some of you parents say now, to help them enter into that rest? Don't be afraid of the dark. There's nothing to be afraid of. Well, I got some bad news this morning from the Bible. Be afraid of the dark. Because there is much to be afraid of in this dark world, in our dark hearts, in our dark past. The presence of the dark, of sin, of losing or leaving God in pursuit of something else. The dark and all that is in the dark will stop you and me from entering the rest of God for our souls. 
The writer of Hebrews turns the lights on the history and hearts and consequences of Israel's sin, who had a hard time entering into the rest and in doing so says, see, people of God, you Christians, be afraid. That is, be careful, be respectful, be aware of your darkness and what is in that darkness so that you can enter God's rest, so that you can be free and freer to live life confident in the love and care of God. Be afraid of the dark. Those of you who claim to be believers have been saved from the bondage of sin. So goes your testimony through Jesus. And like the paralleling story of Israel being freed from Egypt to be brought into the promised land, believers are promised, right? In Christ, they're guaranteed rest. But like the Israelites, we can still be very restless people in a relentless and restless world where the struggle is real. To enter in that rest, to end and deal with our restlessness, we must acknowledge the dark, our dark past, our dark hearts, and the dark consequences. You know, when you go to a new doctor or go get a physical, Right? Or, or go see a therapist or a psychiatrist or psychologist. It is interesting that they just don't ask for your medical or personal history, right? They ask for your family history as well. Did anybody in your family suffer from this? Did anyone in your family die from this? Did any of your family have any of these issues? Why? Because many medical problems are hereditary or even because of similar family and cultural lifestyles. If you eat, if you eat pig feet, pro- probably your parents ate it too, right? Which means you might have some problems. Trust me, I know. Tried to eat a whole jar of pickled pig's feet in college once in a couple of days because we grew up eating it. Y'all remember the corner store with the little pink pig feet in the thing? You get the wax paper and get it? Boy, to walk back home, you'd be so happy. Maybe I'm just one of them southern brothers. I don't know. But even beyond, so beyond the DNA, right, it might produce the same and similar health results of your family. The writer of Hebrews goes into the past of Israel to help not only the descendants of Israelites who might have gotten this letter and were considering leaving Christianity, but also to those like most of us in here who as Gentiles have come into the family of God through Jesus. He is warning us and he's calling us about entering the rest of God, hoping we don't miss or mess up the rest God is calling us to by refusing to acknowledge that in the dark is a dark past filled with a heritage and history of sin. Look with me at verses 7 through 11 and then 16 through 19. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. That's a historical occurrence on the day of testing in the wilderness. Back when they were leaving Egypt, right? Where your, for, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Then jump down to verse 16. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? 
Was it not all those who left Egypt and led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness, to whom he will... He, to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? This might not be readily apparent to you. Maybe if you have one of those fancy Bibles with all the cross references or different formatted verses, but verses 7 through 11 are taken from the Old Testament Psalm 95. And crazy enough now, it, it, it is Psalm 95 verses 7 through 11, just like it is in here, Hebrews 7 to 11. Dun, 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 dun. No, it doesn't mean nothing. It just is a coincidence. But interesting, right? But here is the real point. This is a verse from a psalm that was a song that the Israelites sang in their worship services. But this was sung almost 400 years after the events talked about in the song. So imagine singing a song about history, singing a song about something bad that happened. I mean, this is a terrible event to sing about. This would be like us singing about slavery, right? In here, oh, sing, let's sing together how we went and took Africans and enslaved them. You're like, this is bad. This was not the happy refrain for the church to sing, but yet it was a psalm that they sang 400 years after it happened, and now in the book of Hebrews, about a thousand years after the psalm was written, the writer of Hebrews brings it up again. Why? Why does this thing keep repeating in the history of God's people? Why can't they, and now we who share the struggle, right, with this heritage through Christ, why can't we just let it go? It was a dark time. People were disobedient. Let me tell you, God allowed many to die in the desert. 3,000 killed at Mount Sinai. Many more dropped dead in the desert, right? And even let a generation of Israelites be lost before they could enter the promised land because of sin against him. This ain't happy times. But come on, I'm saying to the writer of Hebrews, as I'm reading this myself, it was a long time ago. Some of us Gentiles simply were adopted into this family, right? We don't want to talk about it now, so why bring it up? So we can see. So we can see. Look at verse 19. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So that you and I can learn. So that we can take note. He's turned the light on. What was in the darkness? So we begin to, so we can begin to enter and stay in that rest. Because the same issues in the people of God apparently kept coming up over the years and have the real potential in here to keep coming up. Regeneration after generation with God's, re God's redeemed people, right? And as the last generation, do you know you guys are the last generation, spiritually speaking? The only thing left in redemptive history is the second coming of Jesus Christ. You're the last generation, so he's saying, guess what? Last generation before Jesus comes back, spiritually speaking, be very careful. Look what happened back then. Please, last generation, don't miss it. This is your last shot. 
We got one more chance to see this thing straight, right? The Bible's saying in warning that guess what? Jew or Gentile, if you are a believer or, we, or will become a believer, please, please recognize that you have a dark past and potential of what? Repeating the same mistakes. That you have a heritage of being a people who even though the Bible says, they bring it up, they make a very clear point, right? These are the people Moses freed from Egypt. What? You mean that incredible story of people being enslaved and then crying out to God and God turns water into blood and all the frogs and all the gnats and all the darkness and all that stuff. And, and these are the same people that they put the blood over the door and a death angel passed over and every firstborn male in Egypt died except the ones with the blood over the door. These the same people who went through the Red Sea and on the other side, what happened? The Bible says they rebelled. There is a possibility, just maybe. Now think about it. I ain't seen y'all go through a Red Sea before, right? I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought I don't think y'all have seen a national turning of bread, of water to blood, right? I don't think you guys have actually seen those things. And so he's saying, if these folk experienced that and still acted like fools. What you think about us? I'm really worried about us Americans. We're real bad. We got so much privilege, we don't even see it as a blessing. We see it as a right. And according to a lack of trust in Jesus like the people back then had in Moses, it looks like it could happen again. You are more than capable of doing the same things. You have a family history of being discontent. Here, here are these things now. This is what they did, if you go back in the history, of being discontent. I'm discontent all the time. I need help. Angry at God for present circumstances, not trusting in him, disappointed in him, disappointed in your faith, disappointed in the church thing, just disappointed all the time. You and God are always wrestling with discontent and anger, and you just want to give it up. God give you a blessing, you're like, I, I don't want that one, right? I don't like that one. I want better. That's what they did. Will you take for granted that God has spoken to you and visited you and come to live with you and now as believers that Jesus live within you and it's still a possibility that you are being rebellious against the lordship and love of Jesus for you against the, like the Israelites were against God and disobedient Moses who was giving them the word and the, the, this story, your family story teaches us that a whole generation again, thousands of people, the ones who left Egypt because of disobedience never saw the promised land and failed to experience much of the blessings of God. Before early 20th century philosopher George Santayana wrote that those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. The Bible was teaching it to be afraid of the dark past, to recognize as a people, people who have been redeemed by God, we believers are susceptible in and of ourselves, even as good church people. Man, church people are the worst. As a matter of fact, the Israelites were good church people. They were the best church people you could ever have on earth. They were the only church people on earth at that time. Good old 
church people, good covenant children, one's baptized like Haven was this morning, and families, we can be. They hear me now because I'm in one. All right, I'm in a family. I'm with y'all. I'm in my own house, right? We can be the most ungrateful, mean, dissatisfied, controlling, hypocritical, unmoved, and unworshipable people God has ever called his own. And like history, I have to be honest with you, it could mean spiritual darkness in some way. And death even to the church. You ever wonder why there's so many empty church buildings? You ever wonder why in a place like Europe, it's an afterthought now? You ever wonder why when you look at churches in, in big cities where there used to be a church on every corner, right? People can just pick the denominations, four corners, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopal, Catholic, well, that's five. But you know what I'm saying? You can pick your churches and they were filled. Now what? Oh, they are perfect for condos and restaurants and and, 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 and art places. It's just great. All these empty church buildings. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. I hate to be all prophetic on y'all. Darkness. Stop believing the word of God. Stop thinking God was speaking. Stop believing God was healing. Stop believing it was important to love and care for the community. Just like the people died in the desert over the history of our country, many churches have died and dried up in the desert called the United States of America and Europe. Let me tell you, it has happened. You mentioned church, and it's weird. You go to church? Yeah. Whoa. There's a church? Yeah. Still, yeah. You wanted a weird ones? Yeah. The sadness is these churches started with people who believe the gospel. And somewhere Jesus left the equation. Like, it wasn't necessary to believe that he was their righteousness. They started to be righteous on their own, and they started to say this was too hard for people to hear, and they started taking things out, and they started being ungrateful for the message God had given them to preach. And the next thing you see is empty buildings. And let me tell you, if not empty buildings, buildings filled with people who are irrelevant in their ministry to the world. It happens. Be afraid of the dark because you and I have a dark history and heritage of people who disobeyed and distrusted and unfriended, if you will, the Lord. But that all started in the hearts of the people. Look back at verse 10 with me. Um, it keeps bringing this up. Therefore, I was provoked with this generation that said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. Right? And then it keeps going. As I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we, we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it said today, if you hear his voice, do not what? Harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Keeps coming up, right? The heart. 
the lack of obedience and worshipful living before and for God and towards each other and in this world, it was a restless mess. Not because they had some kind of, uh, how can I describe it? Some kind of involuntary movement issue in their muscle, right? Like, like somehow, who, I'm sorry I punched you. It was just so involuntary. It's in there. I'm sorry I built this gold idol and worshiping God. I couldn't help it. My muscles just moved and my knees just bent. I'm sorry. No, because they had an issue in their souls, in their hearts. I remember the television show House came out about the brilliant jerk doctor. He was a jerk. But let me tell you, if I was sick and House was real, take me to the jerk, Okay. I don't, have to, I don't have to like him. I just want to live. But, you know, every, I remember House, and eventually started to get a rhythm to it, and that's why they probably had to get rid of it. And I used to like the medical side, but the medical side got predictable, and so they had to deal with his personal life, and I really care about that. Anyway, so anyway, and it would always be the same. Somebody come in with some crazy Outward symptoms, right? So they couldn't, the leg couldn't stop moving, or they had scary, freaky stuff going on, right? Or uh, what's wrong? They're bleeding out the ears or the nose or something crazy. And they would say the same thing every time, right? Maybe it's the heart. <laughs> what? Really? Or maybe it's the brain. It's always some, I'm gonna tell you, 90% of the time, maybe it's the heart. Why? Because a heart is like this very important thing, right, that produces outward symptoms of sickness. And here was the deal about house. If you were sick on the outside that bad, there was definitely something wrong on the inside. But what made the show so brilliant is trying to figure out what was going on in here. Because it's hidden and it's unpredictable. And you really don't know what's happening. You start opening up people and stuff. Now, I'm not a surgeon. I don't know nothing about no medicine. Look, I took biology in college. I took the honors one. But I still don't know about opening up people and all. But apparently, if you open them up, there's a lot of stuff going on in there. I would not be able to know the difference between your liver and spleen. So if you need help, don't come to me. Because it all looks the same to me. Even when we dissected frogs, it looked the same, y'all. It's not, the heart's not shaped like that thing you see on the, the Valentine's card. I don't know where I'm going with this, but my point is, <laughs> I got a little off right there, y'all. Must be the cough medicine. But I, I, I think that the, the point is, it's complicated in there. The writer of Hebrews is saying, be afraid of the heart in your, be, be afraid of the dark in your hearts, because in there is deep-seated sin and pain, right? And the heart is the receptor, right? The, like the soul is the seat and receptor and receiver of all the ills you have done and have been done to you. And the Bible uses this, this language in verse 13, that it creates deceitfulness of sin. What's this mean? That the heart is complicated mess. Your soul is all mixed up from years of neglect and sin and struggles and relational abuses and turmoil and fear. And you can't figure out as a human being what that is all going to mean outside of the fact that if God does not intervene, if Jesus doesn't come in and work in the secret places, in the dark places where sin and struggle work and multiply, that your heart will, as verse 13 and then 15 and then back at verse 8 says, it will make your heart. Hearts harden up. 
Then the Bible says this will happen. The manifestation, right? The result of a hardened heart produced in hidden, deceitful, unseen ways that we will what? Rebel in verse 16. That is verse 10 says, we will not know the ways of the Lord. So if you have a hard heart, you will not go or walk in the way God would have us to go because our command center, y'all, the seed of our desire and volition and will has been stroked out, right? Heart attacked and frozen up by sin and its effects on our bodies and lives and our thinking and our actions and our relationship with God and each other. And it all happens, get this, in that dark place, that unseen place in the closet of your being, the heart, the who you really are and what might even surprise us or we don't know is there until something triggers it. Ain't nothing probably like being in the middle of the desert not knowing if you're going to get water again to trigger sin. I'd be mad at God too, I think. Lord, you freed us from Egypt. You made all them crazy miracles happen. You, you, you parted the Red Sea. We in the desert. Ain't no water. We gonna die. We don't like you. Right? Look at the rest of these nations. They got water. They got gold. They have horses. They got stuff, God. We out here in the desert dying. All of a sudden, all that's in the heart comes out, and boom, here comes a gold calf. And groaning and moaning. Now get this now. Here comes the way they relate to God. Why is it? And how is it that we Christians relate to God by discontent and complaint? 90% of the time. We're always groaning about God. Not from pain, but from lack, as verse 19 says, a lack of belief that he's going to care for us. God didn't want that kind of relationship. You know, if that happens, if you find yourself being content, if you have a hard time hearing his voice and trusting him and believing in Jesus and his word and giving true yourself to it fully, your heart is still not right. You still got some deceitful, hidden, uncovered pain and suffering and sin torment going, and it is still in the dark. The prophet Jeremiah makes it real scary. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The Bible here is like the most terrible thing you could ever hear a doctor say. You got something deadly inside and dangerous going on and possibly growing inside that could take you out, but we don't exactly know what it is and what and how exactly it is working. We're going to finally start hurting you and others around you. Good day, sir. You don't want to hear your doctor say that? We can't see it. Sorry, y'all. We know something's coming to get you, but we, we can't tell where it's coming from or why. 
The writer of Hebrews is saying this is not a human science. You and I will miss Jesus and maybe missing Jesus and even God's blessings and rest because of our sins that we do that affect our heart. And once we, like a bad diet, start living unholy lives and bring all of that sin crap and plaque and clog into our lives, you and I have no idea how out of control and in control against God's control our hearts will grow. Be very afraid of the dark within and the dark without that you let in there. It is deceit and can make you a rebel to a God who loves you and wants you and has awesome life for you in Jesus Christ. If you are living in sin outside of the camp of God's grace and means of grace and ways to get grace, struggling against God, angry and rebellious against him, you are ingesting and putting undue stress on your spirit and you have no idea when it will break. But one day, It'll stroke out. Your life will have an inner or outer attack that will seize your spiritual life. I'm not saying it. Scripture is saying that's what happened to God's people. As a pastor, I've seen the heart of so-called good church people or just nice people in general that were okay one day and lost and broke down and alienated from God and his truth and his people the next. I ain't trying to put myself above nobody else. I'm afraid too. I've seen it. Where you're like, oh, people just be shaking hands. Oh my gosh, what was going on in there? Can you believe it? No, we can't believe it. It was in the dark. It was in their heart. We didn't know. I've seen the most unexpected people who seem so blessed by God lose it all because something was let in or had been undealt with or they thought they had who they were and their demons under control and kaboom, out of the darkness, it is the boogeyman, if you will. It's worse. It's the wrath of God for sin. Look at verse 11, if you will. Hopefully this will get better here in a minute. It says, as I swore in my wrath, in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And then verse 16, it says this again. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see they were unable to enter the rest because of unbelief. The writers of Hebrews is saying, he be afraid of the dark, afraid of dark consequences of being restless with a God who seeks to give you rest in Jesus. There's a subtle, hear this now but very dark consequence of having darkened, hardened, disobedient, rebellious hearts before Jesus. Here's the consequence. It's, it's terrible. Look at verse 8. Do not harden your... Today, if you hear his voice, start back at 7. Do not harden your hearts as in rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Now, no, 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 hear this now. Look at verse 15 again. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And then back down to 19. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Now let me connect the dots for you. 
one of the consequences of rebellious, hard-hearted life towards God, hardened to do and live the way you want to oppose to God's way. Now hear this now, that you were unable to listen to the voice of God that you hear. God is speaking like he did through Moses. God is showing up, but your heart is so hard, hard, you can't listen to it anymore. Your heart is so hard, hard, you can't even see God's goodness anymore. They weren't able to enter the rest because they couldn't see the way. And they couldn't see or hear the way. God saying this way, this way, this way to the rest. Follow this path. They couldn't see it because their hearts were darkened. This is the most terrible thing. That you might be hearing the word of God. Now get this, the same word of God you grew up hearing in church all your life. And now you can't hear it. Here it is now. You hear it. And when you hear it and get around it, it just makes you want to rebel. That's terrible. Because your heart's hard. Oh, God's saying beautiful things. Here comes the gospel. It's wonderful. It's freeing. It's forgiving. It's accepted. And I hate it. And I don't know why. I can't stand it. I'm afraid of it. I don't like it. What's wrong? And I admit, some of the stuff that's in here that's caused a lot of problems and hard for you to hear is because stuff that has been done to you. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say it's all you, right? But at the same time, it is your heart. It's your story. And undealt with stuff like that, it makes you deaf, right? Deaf to the good news. God's offering stuff through his son, Jesus Christ, but you can't receive it because it can't get through. When you get there, when we are hardened to God's voice, it is a dark consequence of being restless. You know what restless means? It means grace comes and you just can't keep still, right? Sanctification and life and righteous offered in Jesus. You just can't accept it. Be afraid of going on sinning and sinning and going on not dealing with and seeking God and others for help. Like verse 13, letting people know and confessing your sins. If you don't have people in your life, like verse 13 says, in your life encouraging you because church people get on your nerves or you don't want to do anything, to, you just want to live in secret in the dark please don't go easy as they say into that good night feeling good I want to wake you from your restless nightmare and dark consequences not only alienation from God's voice but alienation from God's blessings if you're the only one who knows your heart you don't know your heart. <laughs> if the Lord isn't a part of dealing with this, it ain't being dealt with for real. Look at verse, we've read verse 16 through 19 enough, but here's this. 
the writer of Hebrews is making a point that goes back to the Moses thing by declaring that the people who were led by Moses who rebelled against God were left in a desert, dead, wandering, never able to experience the rest of blessings and right relationship and standing with God. They were unable to enter because of what unbelief? They were alienated from the blessing of God because of and as a consequence for their sin. Their deceptive hearts were hardened and they became rebellious and deaf and hard, hearing but not listening, receiving the word of God by Moses. They were disqualified from blessing of God because the dark consequence of verse 19 says of their unbelief they couldn't believe but look at what verse 14 says for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end it describes being a believer as having a share in Jesus and holding on to the original confidence which is what well these are christian jews getting shaky on trusting and believing in jesus people who thought they could go back to what they likely thought was a work it out yourself get more acceptance proof base have more control on and in your own life religion but the warning is clear to live like that is trying to find rest in a dark past with a dark heart with dark consequences and what will alienate you from what could and did truly save you from the darkness be afraid then to stay or go back to that potential darkness chances are you will suffer the same dark consequences that they did at the Moses but most importantly don't go back or leave or forget Jesus because you will forfeit forfeit your share in him which makes all the difference here the Bible is telling us the good news and warning us not to harden our hearts to God's gift of salvation in Christ. The Bible is saying this. Under Moses, many died because of unbelief and hardening hearts. I get this. But in Jesus, many believed and live because their hearts were softened and saved by the gospel. Harden your hearts to God and face dark consequences because of your dark hearts and dark past. But soften and bring and lay out your dark but soften hearts and history to Jesus and he will be the share, right? He'll be the investment, the one piece you and I need to not have to live in consequences and results of the darkness in us and in us and around us because he is the light. Right? That exposes all the darkness for what it is so that, he, so that we can see our need for him and his love for us and the rest he's offering us in this crazy struggle to find peace and hope and contentment. Some of us have terrible, dark church and belief history and have let our hearts and lives go to some dark places and situations and behaviors and we have been hurt beyond understanding, don't go into more darkness by walking in the past and relinquishing Christ and just deciding to be paralyzed and angry or apathetic. The Bible is saying hold on to even the little share of Jesus Christ you have because that is everything against all the darkness you face. This might sound wimpy and counterintuitive to what verse 14 uses as confidence. But thank God for the lamp on the nightstand. 
when you are afraid of the dark, you can reach right over. A nightlight even. So you can see all that is there. People of God, be afraid of the dark. But don't be afraid of God's gift in Jesus. Have confidence to reach out for and take hold of the light when sin and life is beating you down to bring and run and live in the light that is Jesus with your dark history and dark hearts and on the fringe of a dark consequence. You see what the gospel teaches is that his body was laid out in the desert. In his body, he bore the dark history and heritage of our sin on him. He was forsaken. He suffered the hard side of God's wrath so that those who couldn't enter into God's good graces and and rest because of unbelief, because of Jesus, would finally have someone and something to believe in that would give them the confidence that they can say no to sin and yes to God, that would forgive and soften our hearts, who would take the heart of stone and give us a new heart of flesh, who would give us another chance. Another spiritual life and generation to not be like their past. To not be like their history. And to let him take the consequences of their dark sin. Can you give Christ all of that? I sure hope so personal testimony, he's all I got. There isn't enough study. I'm going to tell you this much. There isn't enough rebellion to heal the pain. Sometimes I think when you go through stuff and God doesn't answer the way you want, it just feels good to act up. It's not enough. The writer of Hebrews is saying Moses and all lamb and all that stuff. Jesus is enough to take all the dark past, all the dark hidden stuff. You can't see your heart, but he does. Let him handle it. Afraid of the dark, within and convinced of the inability to handle and be what you see and know, what lurks within and without, that you and I have a share, a part, a pass, and access to the light that is Christ. We'll do part two next week, and we'll talk more about how that light cuts on. You know, the gospel has two parts. We are sinners. And Jesus is a savior of sinners. We have to recognize our brokenness, y'all. We have to recognize the darkness. And I'm going to say, there are some stories in here. Some of you have gone through some crap and faced the darkness and admitted it and laid it before Christ. And I've seen Jesus do some amazing things. 
I like that this is a heritage passage because so many of us having, especially those who grew up in the South, we just grew up in Christianity world, Christodom I called it, but not Christianity all the time. And we kind of have a dark past and we see people around us with all kind of mess and hypocrisy. Jesus came to handle that, y'all. 